Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listener discretion advised. I'm Kazakhan of the Blunt Force Gamers, and welcome back, gamers of all ages, boys, girls, and gents, to another wonderful episode of our Madhouse production. Today, I am hosting, as apparently neither of these other two fuckers are speaking of. I am seated with... Darth Blasphemous, hail to the dark side. And with... And my ship needs repairs. Yes, yes. Introduce yourself or carry on. Oh, my ship needs repairs. I'm Game Goblin. I'm repairing my ship. And unfortunately, the moniker is out as apparently Nurgle has decided he needs to play a game or be sick, one or the other. There's no in-between. It's That poor kid is, like, somewhere between blessed and cursed. Somewhere. Well, I think our topic this time, you, what was it you said that was blasphemous? Well, as we all know, it's the holiday season here on Earthrealm. Ho, 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 motherfuckers! Yeah, yeah, we ain't got through Turkey Day yet, either. Ah, Turkey Day. What's that? <laughs> Next well, holiday coming up is that one that's uh, Black Flag Friday or whatever? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> um, so, with that, we can talk about how in-game, or in MMOs, what have you, how do holidays and all that work into the game? Do you, Are they religious ones? Are they by the season? Do you try and mirror what's going on in that, uh, in your game world with what's going on in the real world? How do you guys handle that? And what are some good tips and tricks for people to handle such things for a setting? You know, do you always just get together to do a one-shot campaign for the holidays? Um, do you do a whole build-up event throughout the summer and all that leading up to say, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. If you're Canadian, we don't care, uh, because those holidays aren't real. Uh, or some other good American holidays. <laughs> I mean, holidays. what the fuck is a Boxing Day, anyway? I haven't the fuck Well, is. I wouldn't imagine they fight. Well, I, apparently it's not uh, Amazon Prime Day, but whatever. In any case. Boxing Day. When every American has to go up to the Canadian they know and punch him in the face. I'm glad that's not how it actually works. I would be, uh, I would be a great deal better at defending myself if that were the case. Nah, I'd target somebody else entirely. Thank you. Fidel Castro's son. I mean, um, <laughs> um, person. If I could find him, I, I do understand that he's Canada's best cosplayer. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Cosplayer of minority <laughs> origin. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, as far as gaming goes, when I do holidays, like if it's a real life holiday, yeah, no, no, no. I've had too many of those just fucking go sour. Really? Like if you do like a Halloween special D and D game or whatever, for some reason, just like players don't seem to really take it well. No, they don't. Like, I did one where it was like a haunted house adventure. The characters went into a dreamscape, and I, I wrote up a bunch of um, off-the-side items that were all magical items that were, like, super powerful, but only... But the, everybody had to be there for the, the Halloween session to be able to receive one of the 3x5 cards out of the trick-or-treat bucket. 
And everybody just basically looked at the items like, yeah, whatever. You know, they just went through the motions of role-playing just so they could get back to the story proper. It's just like a vacation game session where we were gaming but not gaming. Yeah, wasn't taking it serious. Yeah, they didn't take it at all. So, usually when I do holiday stuff, it's going to be a one-shot and not something I toss into a campaign because I've seen... I've had... Well, not seen, but I've had Christmas games and Halloween games just not go good. Yeah. yeah. That, it makes a lot of sense. If the if your group is already super invested in the story, then it's... You know, they're going to prioritize that rather than giving their effort to some, some off-the-cuff... Uh, side adventure. Now, the other thing you can do, though, is, like, you can pre-hype it several months in advance. Because I guarantee you, in any given world where there's a holiday, there's going to be people excited for it months in advance. I'm already excited about Halloween. See? (laughs) See? It's just passed, and you're already excited for the next one. It did not pass. Halloween is every day. Halloween is life. Halloween is life! (laughs) It's the way I roll, motherfucker. But, and, you know, you're going to have people like this in any given kingdom, right? You have a Founder's Day celebration. I think we brought this up during the How to Tie Stories Together. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a Founder's Day celebration. It happens once every you know, year, once every ten years or something. It's not like it's a giant deal, but it is a big enough deal that there's, you know, entire people. There's going to be people who make their whole career out of it. There's going to be people who are hedging their bets that their food stall is going to be the best, the brightest, the biggest, because that's where 80% of their business comes from in the air. Or that one pickpocket that they spend all year perfecting their craft so they can get a whole year's worth of money out of all the travelers and tourists. Yeah, right? That is going to happen. Which also comes with the idea that people are going to talk about it all year round. So you drop these subtle hints long in advance of when you're planning on doing it. You know, the festivity, uh, let's go, the Festival of Lights, right? We'll say that the the kingdom has a big festival of lights to honor the dead and to express, you know... Wait, 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 let let me go full history channel here. Aliens. (laughs) Right. And, And, you know, basically you do something like the Lantern Festival, Right. I, I first heard uh, Festival of Tetanus, and I was kind of excited, but when you said lights, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> Ebola-chan can't be here all year. Ebola-chan is life. <laughs> she loves me. She loves everybody. Ebola-yandere, do not weep responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you can... That also means... That if you're going to do a one-shot or a, a theme slot day, make sure you've cut the, the the prior arc just just before that, hopefully. Like, wrapped up that with enough loose ends tied that it feels like a natural point of just... Transition? Yeah, a point of transition, right? You, you make it a transitional point between, you know, the festival that starts because that's an entire arc on its own. And then you go back into a, uh, another story now that, you know, your your players have had their fun, right? 
Mm-hmm. If you do it right, you could, if you do it well, establish some manner of, you know, event that happens in your kingdom. Add it to the lore, add it to the people that react to it, and then make the story feel relevant somehow. It can be done. It's just a very fine line, or fine uh, line to draw. Yeah, and I mean, there's plenty of ways to do it. Like, you can create holidays in-game, and then be like, okay, this, you guys finish up this part of the story arc, and now we're going to jump to a couple weeks later when this festival is happening in the town, you know. Yeah, it's been, you guys have been kicking it for a bit. It's It's been a good decompressed time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Festivals and games, just, yeah, sure. People just never really get into them for some reason. Every time I've run a festival in a game, I don't know, maybe it's me, maybe it's them, maybe it's Maybelline, I don't know, maybe so, many moons ago. But for the most part, nobody seems to really get into it. Yeah. Like, even like you said, you know, decompression time. Even so, like, uh, for even our group, when we started out, there was a uh, harvest festival going on in Scrim, remember that? Mm-hmm. The very opening of the game. You know, everybody gets together in Scrim, and basically there's a big harvest festival going on. People are jovial. They're having fun around you. They're excited. The player characters are lumps of clay on a bench, waiting for the adventure to start. Those mountains look quest-worthy. Exactly. I, I, you know, I think the thing about it is, is like, there, festivals are really good ways to start an adventure. So you start a chain of events that becomes a full quest line. Let's let's take the tying stories together again. I, I brought up criminal investigations as like the the theme of the campaign. You know, starts in a festival, someone's siphoning money, you're tasked with finding it, and then you uncover this whole giant cult that's been kind of opping in the shadows. That's a whole campaign. That's how you you know you get a campaign going is these festivals festivals the other thing is like I think you have to be really communicative with your players it's like look your characters are not always going to want like actually a good way to do this might be what are some downtime hobbies of your characters and then make a festival that has those things as part of the attraction list my characters never have hobbies except for being orphans here we go again. Ah! Or Quirk Talk. But, um, I mean, that's definitely a good thing, like, how I brought up in the last episode, the characters uh, that would whittle, and, you know, they just do it to the thing. Maybe there's a giant whittling competition in the thing, and that's what attracts them. Or your fighter, there's a whole tournament about, you know, it's a grand melee, and the final winner gets 10,000 gold pieces. You know. If, if your characters are like, oh, man, we kind of blew through that money. We totally need to re-up on some stuff. Well, there's this tournament going on, and if you join it, you have a chance to win, and that gives you a chance to get the players into it. A magic competition or something. Right, and you can also do things like... Um, you can have characters who, you know, they want to test their strength. There's always going to be strongman. There's always going to be some sort of strength-based challenge in these things because people like them. People like to watch them. People like to experience them, try them for themselves. You know, the bell ring, right? Hammer swing, basically. 
swing a hammer, it pushes a weight up. Weight goes ding at the bell. There you go, you want a prize. Simple stuff, but how high up it goes depends on the strength roll, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a straight athletics check in most games. But, so it might not be the burly barbarian with the ridiculous strength. It might be the, uh, I don't know. The wizard who uses his int to figure out the best way to swing it? Yeah, it, you can, if you can make an argument for it, I'd allow it. It's just how you go about making these, these mini-games, these little experiences fun and work within the rules. It's a little bit of a uh, tricky thing. I feel like. It's like... The other part of this, you know, we brought up religion as part of it. Religious festivals are big. Especially if you happen to have it, say, for one of the characters' faiths. A Mardi Gras-esque event. Yeah, right. Or, um... A festival of the sun, say, worshipping Serenray, or uh, Pelor, or something. When you have a cleric of them, or a paladin who's devoted to them. Or Jublex. Or oh, whoever. sorry, wait, that's... Yeah. <laughs> well, and another thing to look at is when you're looking at MMOs or any of those online games where... Like in Ark, we just finished up the Halloween event uh, not that long ago. And all this stuff that pops up and you can only get from that event. Or uh, Goblin was telling me about the holiday season uh, for Christmas and all that. They have, what was it, Raptor Claws? Yes, in Ark they have Raptor Claws. Who ho-ho-hoes his way across the sky at night. What a dick. <laughs> uh, well... <clears throat> my first experience with Raptor Claws, I had just bought Ark, and it was during their Christmas event sale. So I got Ark for like 10 bucks off, yay. And then I'm out there and I'm freezing to death during the daytime because the island is snowy and cold at all times. And like in my first hour, I died like 13 times of hypothermia, and every time Raptor Claws showed up and dropped off gifts, he'd always do it over the hill. And anybody who's played Ark knows that running over a hill in the middle of the night when you're low level with no armor on is certain death. Yeah. Fuck you, Raptor Claws. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. You, Ark, Ark you prefer uh, Therizino Krampus? Dude, at least Therizino Krampus I would see coming. <laughs> a Therizino, at least, you know, when you're walking along, you're like, oh, that's a big thing with Freddy Krueger hands. I'm dead. No. No way. Run Not like back. fucking uh, raptors who will just leap out of the fucking bushes at you. <laughs> yeah. So many times I've been running around just doing my shit and suddenly attacked and I'm like, where the fuck did you come from? Yeah. Screwed up one of my tames too, even. Motherfucking, fucking, <laughs> damn it, shit. Holidays are garbage. <laughs> ha humbug. <laughs> well, you don't have too much faith in humankind there. Hark the angels scream. Look at that, I just stabbed him with my shiny thing. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of stuff like, uh, what was it? Doesn't World of Warcraft have a holiday thing? I don't know. I'm sure they do. I just don't know what it is. <sighs> I, I, I don't know. I played World of, War, uh, wow. World of Warcraft for fucking 30 days. Then my free 30-day thingy ran out, and I was like, done. Okay. 
That's it. It was just another clone of EverQuest. Didn't care. Well, what's some other games you guys have played? It doesn't have to be MMOs, but online games where they had holiday-type stuff pop up in-game. Let's see. Guild Wars had one. It was, uh... It was, like, a battle, almost. They would always do, like, a snowball fight event. Typically, you can access it from various cities in Guild Wars. And, um... On one side, it was Grenf, who is the Ice God of Death. And on the other, it was Duena, the light healing hippie goddess, right? The two of them would basically duke it out for presents, and you could pick a side, you could throw snowballs at each other, and it was vaguely festive, but mm -hmm. really didn't have much in the way of direct story. You could skip over all of the quests involved in it, and it wouldn't affect your gameplay at all. Okay. Or, you know, you could always kill Cyberclaws. Third Street Saints saved Christmas in the future. Mm. When future Shawnee came back and warned the Third Street Saints that Psycho Santa had lost his fucking mind and somehow he was going to, like, ruin Christmas for everybody. Yeah, so you had to go on a murder spree through the North Pole to save Christmas. That was <laughs> awesome as shit. That sounds a bit Futurama-y. Like the, the robot. Well, it wasn't Robo Santa. It was, like, Psycho Santa or some shit. But, uh, yeah, I saved Christmas. Shot a bunch of elves, left red snow everywhere. <laughs> Had to lick my way through a uh, fucking candy cane uh, barrier. <laughs> yeah, it, it was fucking awesome. <laughs> See, that's some good shit right there for doing stuff like that in-game. Um, you know, when it comes to games where they can change the world a little bit, depending on what it's like IRL for timeline... It's pretty cool, because like, there's like Easter events and shit, and 4th of July, Independence Day shit for us in the States, uh, that happen in a lot of different games. Yeah, I know Borderlands is notorious for doing, at the very least, Thanksgiving, Halloween, and Christmas events, right? Christmas events on Pandora are called Mercenary Day. Fundamentally, it's the same idea, but I think the gist of it was Doll, the Doll company basically said, here's a day, you can buy a mercenary contract and it's not going to cost you anything. That was the general gist of it, and it kind of morphed into a Christmas-esque holiday. Nah. Not very well, mind, and most of the time, like, the, the, the story arcs are centric to um, Marcus who is Marcus, half vampire, half lichen. Abomination! <laughs> Marcus the gunseller, but yeah, basically. For, for all he does. I don't know, EverQuest used to do Halloween events, and one of the ones that they had that was funny as fuck, and I love doing the Halloween event in EverQuest, because there was always so much fucking just neat shit to get out of that. And one of them was a maze, and I did that maze so many goddamn times, because it only had like a 30-minute reset timer on it, and I could run the whole maze in 25 minutes. So I got I got good at it, dude. It was like, I'm in the maze? No. I know exactly where I'm going. <laughs> and I'd run through the entire maze, and there was this one spot where the, one of the mini-bosses in the dungeon was Old Man Dave. Mm. <laughs> And you run up and you knock on his door, and then suddenly this bald dude gets out and yells, Get off my lawn! 
<laughs> and starts trying to beat you up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. Uh, they also did their uh, yearly Christmas event, and of course, that was an MMO, so they had a lot of stuff—not just things to wear, like little silly hats and tchotchkes and whatever Christmas uh, outfits, but they also had home decor, like giant icicles. So if you wanted to just totally redecorate your entire home to look like a giant ice cave, totally cool. Nice. And I did it. Well, I mean, I already took in Ark the Santa hat you had in the uh, storeroom. And I'm already preparing. I just need a little more Mastercraft on my fursuit. For, you know, my winter gear. And I will be Santa. <laughs> sure you will. Just saying. And then it came from Mars will run up behind you Krampus style. <laughs> For our bye, listeners, Santa. yeah, bye, see ya. For our listeners, if you do play Ark at all, it came from Mars as a Krakenos, Karkenos, Karkenos. And apparently, I found out the fun way that it throws people really far, and my guildmates don't exactly appreciate that. Hey, man, I had a ton of fun. I had the wingsuit. I would yeah, like, I did. Get launched, and then glide, and basically get like I don't know three minutes of airtime per throw, unless I like deliberately dropped it. Yeah, I was running around chucking these two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of fun actually. Like the thing is, like the first time I see this thing, I'm working in the dark in my uh, soon-to-be castle, which is all red and glowy because of one of the mods that we've got on there. And it just walks in through the animal gate, and it's like glowing, neon green, like 13 feet tall, four legs, two big-ass claws, and one of the <laughs> ugliest smirks on the fucking thing's face. And then, and like, so that's a thing. And then it picks me up <laughs> in one claw. I'm like, hi, Gob. What you doing? Nothing. <laughs> Merry of, Christmas to me. All of a sudden, I am in the air flying way, way far. I'm like, okay, guess we're gliding now. No, I think the worst part of that was the uh, glow sticks. Oh my god, because he <laughs> that throws was, it. That was Merry Christmas to me. You know what could only make that more festive is if they had green glow sticks in Ark. <laughs> then I would totally decorate the shit out of you for Christmas. <laughs> Sorry to God, I'm going to wake up one of these days and just the entire beer hall is covered in those things. <laughs> no, you should wake up one of these days and you're going to be like on the couch and sit up and see one taped to your forehead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, like that's what I want to do. A uh, thing like that in game is great because I, uh, you can build all kinds of stuff. A game of that style is great. And I've got this great beer hall. Well, I just started putting NPCs up, but I've got all these fireplaces around. I totally wish they had a thing that I could put, like, a Christmas tree-style thing in the place. I actually think they have Christmas trees. That would be awesome. I need to find one. I can't remember, but I think Ark does have... Because I know they, like, the Halloween decor that they had. I think there are uh, certain items that are festive. Mm-hmm. For, for the season, yeah. It's been I'm, a while. I haven't played Ark since uh, Scorched Earth came out until just recently. So yeah, But yeah, I mean, that's just some of the fun stuff is... In a game like that, 
you can do so much with decorations that give you not just like oh I, I'm playing Fortnite and uh, my my gun looks like a candy cane. <laughs> God, I fuck that. Well, they do have skins to turn some of your weapons into items. Mm -hmm. They do have a candy cane skin, actually. Yeah, it's for the club. Yeah. Of course, nobody's going to use that after... Level 5? Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. Fuck that, I fist fight everything. <laughs> Screw the club when I can just punch it. <laughs> yeah, I gotta boost... Uh, I gotta boost my stats up before I really feel... Super Man, you're gonna have you're gonna have to start calling your character Chewy then. Punch it, Chewy. Punch it. <laughs> uh, uh, definitely seeing that that giant crab thing in like radioactive glow in the dark green walk around the corner, pitch black. That was that was an experience. And like all the while we start typing, and like I can tell beyond a shadow of a doubt, you are giddy as fuck. You didn't give a shit about the. Oh, numbers. dude, I'm trying to like do serious shit in game, like get stuff, and he's just like a fucking kid on Christmas Day, just like, oh my god, I got a thing, I got a thing. Oh, dude, I almost killed it. <laughs> First day I had it, I think you almost total kill Christmas it. present. Yeah, I almost totaled it, dude, because uh, I wanted to see how far they could jump. And I jumped off a cliff. Oh no! And I got that feeling that you get when you're on a um, a roller coaster. It's like, oh shit, too like, high. Like even though I'm sitting still at my computer, my stomach starts rising up into my throat, and I'm like, oh my god, this is gonna die. <laughs> and um, I survived with 300 hit points <laughs> out of like 10,000. Holy fuck! Yeah, I almost killed it, dude. That was so what we, made you so sad. That we know where all the freaking stat points are going on that. Then, yeah, throwing. <laughs> the higher the strength, the farther the throw. <laughs> Good, because it's got a couple dozen points it can use right now. I should lob you guys across the desert. <laughs> Actually, we could. Let like, me get my wingsuit. I'm just going to make a set of wings for every costume. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to go out there and, you know, risk uh, getting shit canned off of the server. And I'm just going to put two giant pillars mm -hmm. up over on a hill. <laughs> you know, they're going to be, like, pretty far apart. You know, at least, like, from nose to tip of tail, Bronto apart. And I'm just going to get my crab and throw you between those two pillars. You know, you should just do it at the island, because I bet from our place you could throw us to the island. To the island. Our island base? Shit. That'd be Merry Christmas for me to try it. <laughs> you know, stuff like that could be fun in, in those kind of video games. I mean, there's always the, oh, I've got the Santa suit skin, I've got the elf costume skin, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Or, uh, Grimp Minion, or... Some other equally vaguely festive thing. It's actually kind of fun. Like, I would always pick the Grand side, so I played a Necromancer in uh, Guild Wars, both 1 and 2. And the whole point of the Necromancer is like, Death is my bitch, Grenth is my dude. <laughs> That's about it. Sorry, I went Mesmer. Mesmer was fun, too. Uh, and then when I unlocked second class, I went Mesmer Necro. Yeah. Power combo. I've done that too. Like, Mesmer Necros are grotesque when it comes to debuff. Uh-huh. It's like, oh yeah, let me just... And your health bar evaporates. I mean, there's, there's just all kinds of stuff you can do with holidays in a, in a game, no matter what it is. I mean... Okay. Fine. 
Challenge fucking accepted. Okay. You're playing a space game. All right. All right. We're going to say you're playing Star Wars. All right. Okay. So we're in a galaxy far, far away. Oh, we're playing Life Day then. No. <laughs> no. And the Empire is attacking, for, for shits and giggles sake, Jakku. Okay. Alright, so they're attacking a desert planet. Nuke the whole thing. Nuking the shit out of Jakku. And you, the player group, the party, the people who want XP, the people who want holocrons or fat stacks of credits, or some reputation with the Mandalorians, it is your duty on this game session to save Arbor Day. On Jakku. Go! Okay. Where do they have trees? <laughs> well, they have to have something in order to produce oxygen. There's also plenty of technological aids, and in the desert, like, they're, uh, what was it? The Skywalker family. They were water farmers. Yeah, moisture they, farmers. Moisture farmers out in the bumfuck end of the desert. By extension, you could add another machine on there that just cracks that into, you know, hydrogen and oxygen. Once you got it, you might as well... Arbor Day must be saved! Okay. Go! Do it! Okay, so I get a uh, device that manipulates time, and then I hot glue gun redwood seats to them, <laughs> and launch them at the ships. Happy Arbor Day. Happy Arbor Day. <laughs> okay, fine. Alright, alright, alright. It's Dungeons and Dragons time. Okay. okay. Your characters have just gotten back from cleaning out the tomb of Del Rey or whatever. And the royal court sends you a letter that they need you to go out and spread the good word of Secretary Day. Okay. Go! Happy Secretary Day! That sounds no. like something a secretary made up. Or Let's just start there. Or, um... Okay, okay, alright, 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 alright. <laughs> Fine. I'm gonna get hate for this one from somewhere at some point in some time. Karma is a bitch. Which is why I use it to run over dogma. Boom. <laughs> so. You guys are playing... Vampire the Masquerade. Alright. Okay. And it is your job to clear out a hive of Belial's brood. Okay, the, the super Satanist, evil, like, nasty, blood hellfire, sacrifice. blood sacrifice guys. Mm-hmm. But the prince wants to send a message at the same time to Belial's brood that he is in full support of, you know, freedom of thought and equality and so on and so on and so forth. And decides that as you kick these Satanist asses out of his city, to remind them also to celebrate National Women's Day. Alright, at that point we use Holy Gamer Girl Bathwater. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will counter that. Okay. With, um... Thought you had me there. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. Yeah, thought. <laughs> that hoe over there. <laughs> No, I will counter with Ricky Bathwater. Oh. And if anybody knows who Ricky is... 
Oh, oh my god! Oh. That little crippled shit is... <laughs> uh, happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. <laughs> now I just can't get the image of that little shit in the bathtub out of my head. <laughs> did, did you ever see that video? Yes, he you showed it to oh me. Oh my god, fucking Ricky. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you can have all kinds of, like, for a going back to tabletop, say you're playing some D&D, and it's like, okay, you guys wander into, uh, you guys are in the mountains, you wander into a dwarf village, and they're celebrating uh, Durin's Day or some shit, right? It's like, great dwarf master lord guy. You're celebrating his birthday or some shit. And then all of a sudden, a crime breaks out, a relic is stolen, any of that shit. Right there, you can start a campaign on that. You know? Yeah. And Or you need a transport princess fuck nugget from one kingdom to another before this specific holiday. You know, actually, I'm keeping that. You know what? We're going to rewind a little bit in real life. I'm now going to make a new character for your 5th edition game. All right. All right. Here's the stipulations, though. I'm still going Warlock. He's going to be a court jester. His comedy style is going to be sarcasm. And the first chance I get that somebody of noble status can hire my character to do something, he is going to demand a life for a life. Okay? If the royal says, you got to go out there and kill that person, he is going to demand somebody's life and sacrifice in return for killing somebody else. Cicero? And here's what it's going to be, though. is He's going to go after the princess. And once he gets a hold of the princess, he is legally going to have her name changed to Princess Fuck Nugget. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be awesome as shit. So, when Dom is running a game and the characters have to go out and save Princess Fuck Nugget, it'll be based off of the exploits of a jester fucking sarcasm dude who actually stole Princess Fuck Nugget. Legally. Ah, that's fantastic. Full circle! Yeah. And the other thing about that is it does, you know, holidays make for great timeline markers. If you're, you know, hey, this person has to get over that side of the continent by this time. Hard deadline. Like, she's got to be at that ceremony or you're all dead. Mm -hmm. And perhaps the world too, depending on how you want to play it up. Oh, I know this one. And then the characters go out with the girl, and then they get the Horn of Dagon. And then Babata tries to kill Conan, but Conan's like, uh-uh, fuck you, bitch. And then they ride back to the castle as fuck as they can, and they save her. And everybody becomes royalty, except for Conan, who was promised a throne of his own. That's Isn't awesome. that the theme to Conan the Destroyer? Yes. <laughs> 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 yeah there's this goes on both sides you've got the good festivals and the evil ones whoa there is no such thing as an evil festival good and evil morality it's all a point of view I mean you know if we look at it okay like if we look at it from our western culture if Somebody believed that the idea to make the sun come up every day and we needed to appease the gods so they didn't turn off the electricity 
how many uh, people do we need to cut the hearts out of? Right? It's pretty barbaric practice. And it's not part of our beliefs. But that group over there thinks it's part of their beliefs. And they just go through like a laundry, like a fucking conveyor belt of sacrifices to keep the sun rising. Now, from our point of view, what they're doing is completely fucking evil and is a total waste of, you know, resources. Or people, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> and, but to them, what they're doing is keeping the world going. So who's evil? The people trying to stop them or the people not trying to stop them? People not trying to stop them. So... Because then what was going on before they started sacrificing? I think it was a bunch of uh, mad sex and a taco truck. Mm. I can't really remember because Machete hasn't done a movie on it. There you <laughs> go. But if they ever do like Machete in Maya Land or whatever, mm -hmm. or Machete meets the Nazca, yeah, then I'll totally know everything I need to know about it. Because Machete will tell me so. There you go. Machete is a hell of a teacher. Happy National Machete Day. <laughs> but, you know, just because there's all, there's festival... Say you've got religious festivals for, let's say, your sun god, Sarah Bright. You know, mercy, hippie hope, light bright. On the other side, there's also festivals for darker patrons. Patrons who do demand sacrifice. You know? So you can bring that in as an, as an encounter, you know? Your, your, your player characters find it a uh, cult trying to summon Yinogu or something like that to to the world and basically they just want to, you know, be his little bitches. Sorry, but there are some gods that have also demanded sacrifices. True. True. But of course, if you want a dark god that doesn't require sacrifices, that's totally fine. You just take Elastray. Bam! Dark Elf Maiden dancing naked out in front of the moon. And she's like, yeah, party. Party hard. <laughs> and if you see Lowell stab her in the neck, bam! Nice. Yeah. Anyway. But you can, you can also create these, you know, say that your party is tracking a cult that they've already become enemies with for whatever reason. Why would they become enemies with a cult? Because people do things, and player characters are murder robots. So it makes perfect so sense. So the player characters are just in a, a rival cult. Pretty much. The cult of pay me money. Yeah. You take the cult of pay me money and the cult of blood sacrifice. The cult of how much I can carry. And the two of them are at odds, right? Cult of loot the body. Yeah. Yes, yes. We're going to finish with the murder train, hobo. Yeah, right. Um... We can, you know, you can use that as an encounter, like a dungeon almost. You can set up a dungeon that's fundamentally an entire festival of just these already assigned enemies doing something vaguely festive. And, and then you return to the village to celebrate the 14 buttholes of Yog Sasoth. Yeah, crazy shit. I, I, I don't just. I have bad. Fucking. Track record? Bad track record, bad experiences, and other people have tried to run. And the weird part is, like, when a GM runs a holiday-themed game that I'm sitting down at the table at, and I got my character sheet out, I am totally all in. I am for this shit. Yeah. I'm like, let's celebrate the holidays. 
But on the roll reverse, every time I've done a holiday theme something, it's just like, yay, let's get through it. <laughs> Whoopity shit, candy canes, who cares? Let's kill stuff. Then again, maybe, you know, it's temperament of my group, most of them being murder hobos. Yeah, I think if you would have done a holiday campaign with us, even in the vampire world, I think it would have worked out alright. Yeah, that would have been pretty fun. Alright, fine, ho, ho, ho. Your character's hit with a snowball. In July. <laughs> Let's see, snowball in July. First off, I check to make sure it's not yellow. Second of all, in order to defeat the King of Vampires, you must wear this blessed cloth armor, which will not allow for wood to penetrate from the outside to the person wearing it inside. Thus, you can't be A, crucified, or B, staked in the heart. It just so happens to be a big pink bunny outfit. Now that would be fucked up for, oh, yeah. for an Easter campaign. Yeah. You have to wear, like, a bunny costume that's blessed to take on vampires. <laughs> I mean... Oh, Jesus. I'm sure it would, like, it would be hilarious, especially when you consider that most of these characters are probably big macho men. No, no, you put it on the one character who practices gun kata. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he's, like, doing these, like, cool, like, double backflips through the air with a pair of 1911s, just fucking gunning down hallways full of people while dressed as a giant rabbit. <laughs> uh, Happy Easter, motherfuckers! Have some chocolate! Blam, 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 blam! Nah, I think it'd be great to do a 4th of July-themed one. Alright, you gotta take down this thing of vampires, and the only weapon you have is fireworks. <laughs> for those who do not understand what we're laughing about in Vampire the Masquerade and Vampire the Requiem there is a stat called Rushwreck and the larger the fuck because vampires are dry they're inherently flammable so they have a fear of fire because they're basically like holding a paper bag next to a candle so, if a vampire is exposed to flame or open fire, they must make a check versus Rushrek or run away like little bitches. Because instincts are fucking nasty. Because instincts are hard to override. It's a it's, it's massive fear that you'll catch on fire and just burn to death. So now, to get to what Darth Blasphemous just said, the only weapons you're allowed in a 4th of July campaign is you have vampires fighting it out using fireworks. Fucking Roman Dead Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I just, just that amount of flame, dude. Like you have that one character who's just like burning through willpower points. Like, he's just like, no, I'm gonna stay, and he's just toughs it out. And it's like him and one human left after everybody flees, and you're like, all right, begin round two. <laughs> <laughs> now that 99 percent of the battlefield has run away to go hide, <laughs> roll initiative for round two. Uh, and then at that point, it's just like, alright, cool. Grab the mortars! Shit. Start tossing them in the holes. No, it's just, it's just the thought, you know, that, like, because the way Rushrek works, you can pretty much, like, especially in Vampire the Masquerade, the rules were so borked in that system, you could defeat a vampire with a Saturn battery. <laughs> <laughs> because it's firing off, like, one of those little fucking exploding missiles, like, every half second. Yeah. And so around is six seconds. So you've just fired 12 of these missiles at him. 
<laughs> and, you know, so the vampire's going to be freaking out that his clothes are going to catch on fire, so he's rolling rush wreck. And as he keeps trying to get towards you, these things are just flying around all over the place. And it's a Saturn battery, so they have no targeting. They just fly wherever the fuck they want. Which just adds to the, you know, what the fuck's going on? That is full pandemonium <laughs> and terror. And I love it. Take down a whole uh, cave of Nosferatu with a handful of June bugs. I, I can just imagine you, like, you've just given me a great idea, man. Like a vampire <laughs> who goes, who, does, who pulls a Bam Margera and just takes a trash can and fills it full of fireworks and just puts it in somebody else's haven and lights it up. <laughs> and runs like the dick. It just runs, you know. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, the prince is all pissed because somebody lashed off fireworks in his mansion. Goes out to his fucking car, and then boom, another bucket goes off in the back seat. <laughs> Fireworks are such an underrated tool. I mean, hell, we use them to take down Ro- uh, Roman Legion back in the that Kingmaker. Would, that would be such a way to get blood hunted so fast. Yeah, it would. <laughs> Dude, like, that, that, it wasn't even Kingmaker. That was the Three Kingdoms campaign, the Mythic. Oh, right. That, that was, was the mythic. Three Kingdoms. That was a Mythic campaign that you guys were taking on. Around, I think it was. Yeah, you guys were taking on the nation of Aram, and... And we basically, like... We soloed a legion. Well, the alchemist made a bunch of dragon pinwheels, which basically just shot off and spiraled. So he shot them off near the ground. And the other thing that what happened was we used entangle. And all of a sudden, all that ground is flammable, and they're caught in it. And then... Yeah, you guys use a combination of Entangle and Fireworks just to burn an a opposing army. Yeah, we, we should we have been... We racked up a body count. <laughs> How many were there? A lot. There was, like, a couple of hundred. I think they sent a battalion after us, and after losing it to six people, just were like... That's going to be some pretty heavy tolls. Had you well, ever you had... were totally thinking outside of the box on that one, which was definitely in your favor... And like I said, like when I'm running a game, usually the enemy has their battle plan set in stone beforehand. That way, it's not adversarial. Mm-hmm. It's not GM versus the players. It's story versus the players. So I, I was just keeping it fair on that one. So Ram was going to act the same way regardless in any situation. You know, they thought, oh yeah, we got number superiority. Those are our battle plans. But if I switched up the plans, like had the uh, forces retreat, and let the archers just continue peppering the city for hours on end. It would have wore us down. It would have wore you guys down, and that would have been GM versus players. Not yeah. story versus players. Although, God, it was great. Just like, alright, I'm going to cover the dwarf in a invisibility sphere and have him walk out there. And then the moment he lights off his fi- his one firework, you know, he becomes visible and has to scurry back. <laughs> you almost didn't make it. Nope. <laughs> And just the thing, if he died, Kazarkan's first level, or his first character would have lived. Well, no, because he didn't have the sword at the time, so his other character, his next character probably would have had the sword. Oh. Shiny diamond sword, sword, I cannot afford, Ford. Yeah, like, um, but on the topic of holidays and gaming, I'm actually working on a world, kind of, sort of, in the background, whenever I feel like dinking around with it. And so far, out of the god-awful amount of kingdoms that I'm putting into the Empire, 
every one of them has their own cultural holidays and different religions based on the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no exact unified kingdom. They all worship the same pantheon of gods, but each kingdom basically has their own patron. So, in that, the uh, like one nation, they actually do human sacrifices, and it's accepted by law and all that stuff, and they're actually one of the good pantheons. Jesus. Well, the dark pantheons are even worse. But their uh, human sacrifice is more or less a uh, symbolic gesture, not just to appease the gods, but to honor their history as a nation. Mm-hmm. It's basically like the Hunger Games, but they're the good guys. Doing a few twists on it. And when you're doing world building and stuff, it is really important that when you're constructing religious holidays and religions, well, that you just don't get too goddamn crazy with it. Just look at real life religions and do some basis off that. So even though I've got one in there that does human sacrifices and they believe that they're the good guys and by all rights and accounts, they are the good guys to a point. Everyone's good to a point. Everyone's good to a point. They're still not... They're The way their belief system works, like uh, Carol Back, is they think more like the Aztecs do. Mm-hmm. You know, that if they do not do what they do, worse stuff is going to happen to the world, so they're taking the lesser of two evils route. So it's a total cabin in the woods thing, where it's like, oh, we're doing these small-scale sacrifices to appease the gods, otherwise bad shit happens, world ends. Yeah, it's it's better to appease the gods of war and valor with these human sacrifices rather than have the gods of war and valor get provoked into causing wars, which will kill even more people. Yeah. So yeah, they're totally making the small sacrifice to prevent the big sacrifice. And that's how... A fair chunk of religions are going to see themselves. A fair chunk of religions, even uh, a fair chunk of villains, nobody, uh, well, very few people walk up and say, I'm the bad guy. Almost everybody out there, regardless of their political stance or their religious stance or their moral stance or their philosophical stance, believes that they are in the right based on the evidence and circumstances of their life experiences and what they've been educated as. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So pretty much everybody believes that they're the good guys. So even like uh, a holiday where you go up against a bunch of cultists who are a bunch of doomsday cultists, they still think they're the good guys or they're being preyed upon by a bad guy who thinks he's actually a good guy and that he's actually truly helping people who have this, who have basically gotten uh, Stockholm Syndrome. He thinks, oh, he's helping them, but he's not really. You know, everybody thinks that they're the good guy. And your holidays, when you're designing holidays, custom scratch it's best to come at this vantage point because even the evil gods at some point in time believe that they are justified on their position. Mm-hmm. And of course they spread this position to their followers. Loth, according to the Dark Elven pantheons and stuff, she's completely justified in her actions. Her worshippers are completely devoted and follow Loth the way she's written. Mm-hmm. She's actually the good guy from their point of view. Or the good gal. Good spider. The good spider. Hmm. You know, you just... There, there are very few... Uh, except for maybe... Um, Zon Kuthon from Pathfinder. Who's just fucking bug nuts crazy, so he doesn't really give a shit about good or evil anymore. Just pain. 
But I think one that's really good for uh, putting that one out is uh, Scaroser. I think that's her name. No, wait, not Scaroser. That's Book of Vile Darkness. God damn it. Ugh. God damn it. I can, I can visualize her right now because... Like, I read that book thoroughly so many goddamn times, so many sexy pictures of evil goddesses. <laughs> but, uh, there's one in there, she's like, uh, she decided not to be judged in the afterlife. She was standing in line to be judged, and she's like, half ah, fuck you, Phrasma, I'm walking. And became a god just by being a force of will. Huh. She's, she doesn't believe she's evil. She's just her own person. She won't bow down before anybody else. She became a god by her own hands, so why bother bowing before other gods? There's some argument there, yeah. yeah. There's some argument. I mean, what she calls for, uh, as far as her influence on the prime mortal world, yeah, mortals think she's fucking evil because, well, she's out to fuck them up. That's what she does. She really doesn't care about mortality. If mortals gave a shit, they would fight back harder. <laughs> you know? That's her point of view on it. She's completely justified because by her actions, she succeeded. Yeah. She got her way through to immortality and she basically became on her own. Uh-huh. So, from this... her viewpoint, it, she is the proof that if I can do it, they can do it. Yeah, she's they the proof really that if I can... Come up. Yeah, she's take, the proof that, me you know, on stage. If, if somebody wants to, uh, elevate their status, all they have to do is fucking do it. Mm-hmm. You know, they gotta break... They gotta make the rules for themselves from that point on, not obey the rules. That's basically what she is. She's like the ultimate fucking ha, screw you, I'm making my own rules. Which is kind of an interesting thing to see. Like, she fall on the chaos chart or the law chart? She's, uh, neutral evil. That would explain it. Completely self-serving. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I can't remember her name right off bat, because uh, there's so many evil gods, and then Darth Blasphemous is going to make a bunch of noise. He just woke up again. No, I've been awake. It's just uh, my knee. All right. That's a very entertaining topic for our listeners. Why don't you tell them about your knee and how well, it relates to Well, you see, I once was a, an adventurer like you until I took a holy arrow to the knee. No, he was once an adventurer like us until he took concrete to the knee. <laughs> that was the name of the arrow. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Lubricated with concrete. What a wonderful thing. Yeah. Thunk. Thunk. <clears throat> no, it's just that um, in my long-winded way here, I'm just trying to say that when people are custom building a world, or even when they're making or invoking a world that's already been crafted, and they add in any events or holidays... They, you know, they got to look at it from the point of view from the worshippers that follow those gods, whether they're light or dark, and just adjust accordingly. Yeah, and the, that's definitely a thing. Is you know, most of the time the villains are antagonists, not villains, and those that are villains are stepping stones to the antagonists. Yeah, to call them villains is actually kind of uh, hyperbole. In a way that they are more like antagonists and foils. Yeah. And, you know, or like, um, you've got a villain, he's bad to the bone, he's that straight full murder hobo, right? Doesn't give a shit about life, just like, 
I like to see things in pain. Right? Well, you use him as a stepping stone, because that's... Frankly, that's villainous, but I don't think it's deep enough to really justify being an, an antagonist. It's not something that you can really switch your viewpoint to just appreciate as much. So, you use them as a stepping stone. They're low-level monkeys. You know, maybe like a step or two up the ladder. Not, not very far from the bottom. Yeah, like, a typical villain is, you know, somebody who's like... That's really low lieutenant. on the totem pole, you know, like in D&D terms, they're under level 5, and they're basically rage monkeys who have finally gotten the power and authority to lash back, but the true antagonist is the guy pulling their strings. Right, it's like, you know what? I've got a great little playfield for you. It's right over there, that little town. Have fun! You know, usually the antagonist is the one with the actual far-reaching plans who are, like, doing evil for the sake of good. Yeah, and it's like, and while he's causing a distraction, you guys are going to execute the plan over here, yeah, where it these, actually matters. An antagonist in their own right is an anti-hero. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's definitely a thing. What was it? Uh, my CDC evil is a really good example of this. His whole shtick was his wife got the disease and basically started doing human experiments without telling people because he wanted to understand disease so he could cure it all cure the world of disease to do this takes disease to progress it's generally the gist of it I love you Ebola Chan <laughs> that would be the character to do it yes Yep. well any final thoughts there gentlemen on holidays and gaming um, I pretty much carried the second half of this episode by yeah. long winded story while you slept yeah <laughs> I have been up since like 5am uh, my final thoughts, um, holidays. Be sure to have a dock nearby. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, gunfights, they're good. <laughs> and there's nothing like a good dock holiday. <laughs> there it is. I knew we were going to go somewhere. Yeah, we were going to go there. As for, for me, I think if you prep the holidays prior... You can use them in one of two points. Like, you can use them as end-date timelines or start-date timelines. Or a random dungeon. Yeah, the only thing I can say for final thoughts, actually, uh, coming from personal experience of running games, don't spring a holiday game on your players, like, on the holiday go, oh, this is our super special holiday episode. Uh, in retrospect, I should have built up to it. Yeah. Like, a few games in advance to start introducing smaller things. And then build up to the uh, like haunted castle episode or whatever as a actual game assist, uh, setting that actually plays into the overarching storyline. Yeah, and you know it's 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 all a matter of the lead up, right? You have to kind of gradually build that hype, build that hype, build that hype, build the detail. You know, a few weeks prior, you're going to start seeing people that are throwing up decorations appropriate to the festival. They want to get it done and out of the way, or all sorts of stuff. It just start little dropping, dropping the breadcrumbs. Yeah, I would definitely have to say on the topic of gaming and holidays, if you're playing an online game or just a general video game that has holiday stuff, enjoy it while it's there, but make sure to get rid of it uh, if you're, you know, adminning a server when the holiday actually ends. 
Um, or maybe shortly after. Yeah, and then if you're doing a tabletop with a holiday thing, I hope you can get your players together because this time of year is usually what makes or breaks some groups. Some groups can't survive the holiday break. Yep, holidays are a bitch. Regardless. That's yeah. what I had to say. Game Goblin, back to my coffin. Kazarkaz, <laughs> back to this guy's. Darth Blasphemous, signing off. Unicur, that's it from this episode! If my life was a TV show, they would call it Touched by an Uncle. <laughs>